Hello, hello. I have to tell myself to slow down because when I get excited, I talk too fast. And it's so oh. exciting that Pet Chat's back. Daniel Carrington, yeah. Dr. David Tabret, hello to you both. We're back. We're here. Oh, <laughs> it's good to be here. It's, it's the yeah. gang's back together, isn't it? It's nice. It is nice. It's, it's been too long. It has. No doubt lots of people over the holidays are thinking, mm-hmm. I need pet advice and I don't have my people to help me. Well, we're here. <laughs> we are. And more people have got pets. Oh, yeah. This has been yes. a big thing last year. Including our promotions manager, Kimmy's got a little puppy, Patterson. Oh, mm. oh, special. So it we is. have in-office questions as well. Oh, probably. She'll probably call if she's anything <laughs> like me because she's off on maternity leave now for three weeks, of course. Four nine two one six two one six is our number. Denny, what are we going to chat about this morning? Bowen therapy on our pets. Oh. How's that? Is that like massage therapy? Oh, we're going to find out. Okay, all right. Now, David, what are we going to have a look at a little later on in the show? Well, it's been a long year, last year. This year's been short. It has, but last year did drag. <laughs> Ran into summer holidays. Yep. A lot more people have got pets. A lot more people seeing behavioural problems Okay. in their pets. Yep. So, yeah, hopefully we can have a chat about that. So addressing a few of the big ones that you've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. we'll do that. And next, Denny, uh, Bowen therapy for your, for your pet. Yeah, for your dog. I feel like it's a massage or something similar. Mm, I think so too. Mm, I I wouldn't mind one now. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We'll learn a little bit more about that. And, of course, uh, Denny, I'll just get Katrina. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what this is while we get... (laughs) Well, I was just thinking, like, in terms of... um, Talking to Katrina about Bowen therapy, what are the benefits of it? What would be useful and and handy? And why would you organise your your pet to be able to have Bowen therapy? I mean, we can organise things like this for us as humans. But in terms of what's available out there for pets, for relaxation, uh, type of meditation, help with muscles, help with all sorts of different facets of their life. And she's seen some great improvements in pets by doing this on a regular basis. All right, Katrina, can you start by telling us some of these improvements? What is bone therapy, I guess, Katrina? Well, bone therapy has been around since the 1950s, but it's a gentle, um, very effective body therapy for humans, obviously, um, over muscle and connective tissue to help the body um, rebalance itself and to to, to heal, really, um, with with minimal interruption. Um, And uh, so it's um, animal bone care is an adaptation of human bone therapy. Um, and bone therapy has been used in the equine um, industry for a long time in racing and um, in equestrian uh, areas. But um, some of us have now adapted that. A colleague and myself have adapted that to um, to our canine friends and and other smaller animals. Wow! Um, so uh, with good with good um, um, results or very pleasing yep. results and very happy pets. So it, it is a bit like massage, but not necessarily. It's just very soft work, is it, Katrina? It's, it's no, it's not massage no. at all. Okay. Um, it's if you um, uh, if you were to take uh, basically, if I was to make a, a Bowen move as such, I would start on top of the muscle. I would make a gentle taking of the slack of the skin, and then I would make a gentle move back over that um, with a little bit more pressure. Um, mm-hmm. The idea is not to cause the animal any more pain than they are or discomfort than they're already in. Mm-hmm. And and for those animals that are anxious. Um, you also want them to feel safe and secure and not be um, heighten their anxiety. So the more gentle and, and that you work, but also the more calmly you work, uh, the more likely the animal is going to respond in a positive manner. It makes sense. Um, 
So in terms of that, like, what kind of issues could people bring their animals to you for? Okay, so just off the top of my head, um, I can think of um, uh, 18 months ago, um, I had a call from a friend who said um, her, her rottweiler had, um, had uh, torn the cruciate ligament and they had to wait um, for surgery because it was over a um, public holiday period. And um, so I went down and I have to say, I've... I'm, I'm beginning to love Rotties, okay? They've never been my favourite. But I, I went down and um, and I just did some work around uh, to help the dog relax for a start, but uh, just around the area of injury, not over the injury itself at that point. Because this is all new to the dog. I mean, like to is. a human, you can explain this is what I'm going to do, but the dog's very different. That's right. That's why being gentle and calm is really important. Mm. And... Um, so once I started, and, and the dog's looking back at me going, yeah, so what are you doing? But all of a sudden, they, he just started to lean into me, okay? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't want to go, yes, you can keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, if they've had enough between moves, they might actually walk away for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's almost processing. And then they come back again, yes, you can keep going. So it's and, enjoyable um, for them. Very much so. Very much so. Um, and after the do- that dog surgery... Um, I, we, we waited, obviously, until they were home and they were settled again. And then we went back and we worked above and below the injury and the, the surgery site. And, um, and quite quickly, um, the dog started responding. We would never take the place of the vet and the veterinary care, of course. Um, but we um, have, you know, it can help in those situations. I had, a, had an Aussie Shepherd a couple of weeks ago who, a, few, a couple of weeks before that, had um, slipped on some steps and twisted and landed on their hind, hind quarters. And um, the, um, the owner has had, had had Bowen for her before in, when they lived in Queensland and um, thought, I need to get some Bowen because um, she's not right. So mm. this little Aussie came over and as soon as I started working on it, she obviously realised what was happening because she kept coming back to me. And by the end of the session, the, the human said, she's straight again. Mm-hmm. I can see that she's straight again, and the coat that she's her coat's been really dull since the injury, and her, she said the coat's actually changing colour again, like back to where it, what it was. it was before pre-injury. So I hadn't noticed that because I obviously don't know the dog that well, but she noticed it. And that so, could be to do with the relaxation and the pain going away. Yes, definitely. So she twisted and and obviously had been a little bit bit lame, and it was coming, you know, out of her. Um, fine because of the twist yeah um but um and i only saw her again the other day and uh and she's yeah she's got the most beautiful smile on this old dish but <laughs> so um so yeah i guess the last thing i wanted to ask you with you and you've told us a bit of some experiences of some good stories with some doggies how does that the way you're touching um those soft tissue touching and so forth how does that work in improving their condition okay if you okay if you stub your toe you don't just feel it in your toe, do you? Yeah. Okay? So there's a flow-on effect. If I dropped a marble into a pond, it would cause a ripple effect to the outside, to the edge of the pond and down into the... and and sink to the bottom. If I then... um, If I took a great big rock and threw that into the pond, it would still have effects, but not necessarily a desired effect. So that gentle movement will have that ripple effect throughout the body. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, um, our body 
I have decided is far more intelligent than what our conscious mind allows us to believe. Mm-hmm. So, um, so being gentle and allowing the body to do what it needs to do with those little, those gentle signals um, is um, uh, the body's more receptive. That's probably the best word. And it's healing and it's curing. It's doing it's doing its own healing. Which is what it's designed to do. We're just giving it a little bit of a reminder. Just promoting it to do that. Have you ever had it done with your dogs? Um, I've had, with my dogs, I've had osteotherapy done to them, um, which, yeah, they they love it and and it really works. And there's also dogs that, uh, there's a a good osteotherapist that I go to uh, uh, for dogs, um, people that have talked to me about some kind of injury the dog and I say go and see this person and it'll help yeah. help them out and they come back and say oh my god and that's something just... that a lot of us didn't know about no. so very interesting so that's why I wanted to, to get Katrina on board um, from Animal Bone Care because of the fact that there are things therapies out there that we can use now Dr David you were saying that over the holidays you're seeing a lot of behavioural issues and this sort of started though last year when a yeah. lot, lot of people got pets because of COVID well a lot a lot of people got new pets, but also a lot of people were now sitting at home looking at their pets. More time And with discovering them. and going, hang on, that's the 15th time he's walked in a circle around the room. Or ah, so they're observing them observing more. Observing them more, yeah. So we talked a little bit about this last year, and there was a story of a patient we saw that, who actually came in because he was sore in his hip, and the reason was that he was getting walked three times a day instead of once. <laughs> so... Things happen. Unintended consequences is what happened. It's a good way to put it. And um, so I just thought we'd touch on what we've been seeing um, as a reflection of that. Now, interestingly, I don't think we're actually getting an increase in behaviour problems. So it's not that the pets are actually getting more behaviour problems. In fact, we might actually see a reduction in frequency of behaviour problems. Now, I don't have any data to back that up. But we do know that a lot of animals experience some degree of separation anxiety, a lot of dogs. And, um, you know, that might manifest in different ways in the house. Uh, We leave the uh, house and go to work or school and the pet's left alone. And so, you know, they might be constantly digging holes. They might be chewing on furniture. Or I've seen cases where pets have actually shredded curtains and, you know, the lounge and so on as a manifestation of anxiety. So if you're at home, maybe the pet's actually not going to, you know, embark on those things because they're not separated. Um, But I think we do need to be careful and remind ourselves that some of those behaviours could return and possibly more so. So we may see a rebound effect, you know, coming out of summer holidays, kids are going back to school now. What are we going to see now people are out of the house? Just make sure our pets have stimulation, stimulation, through the day that keeps them occupied obviously exercise we don't want to walk them three times a day but let's try and get that regular daily walk in because it really does make a difference both to our own uh, physical and mental health and also to our pets physical and mental health that they get frequent exercise as well absolutely so that's obviously been uh, a big issue is when people were home and noticing more mm. issues and then coming in what other behavioral issues are you noticing though at the moment well an interesting thing about saying that about dogs maybe we're seeing less um, behavioral problems but i think in cats we might be seeing more is, would there be a reason for well that? i think it is kind of the opposite is that with actually cats 
we say they're a bit of a loner animal, but they're not quite. They are social, but they're certainly, you know, their space is their space. And so we do see an increase in the number of cats with blocked urethras. Their uh, bladder gets blocked, which is a really kind of strange thing to say, oh, that's a behavioural problem. Yeah. But we do know that actually cats that are stressed are in stressful households, maybe it's you've got a new kitten or a dog, or, or a baby is an often new one as well, or there's a new cat in the neighbourhood, your cat gets stressed out and then this can manifest as uh, excess um, crystals and um, cells accumulating in the bladder which now cause a blockage. So very often we talk to people about making sure their household is set up. And for cats it's like um, making sure that you've got one litter tray per cat plus one. So if you've got two cats, three trays, five cats, six trays, etc., um, make sure you have perhaps different types of litter um, so that the cat has choices, they're regularly cleaned, so that cats choose uh, to go into the litter tray frequently. And then the other thing is we often talk about the use of pheromones. So in particular... Um, that's uh, Feluway, which is a spray or a diffuser that you can set up in your house, and that will actually help uh, to calm the cat. It's a very calming influence. Unfortunately, we can't always reduce all of those stresses, but anything that you can do to help your cat, and it sounds like you know getting out of the house is going to help your cat. Um, so that's another problem that we have seen cats with this. Okay. Behaviorally related. Yeah, okay. Mm. So there's been a couple of big ones there. Hello, have you got a question for Pet Chat today? Who have we got? Yeah, um, I am, I've got an, training my dog to be an assistance dog. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know what's the difference between a companion dog and an assistance dog. Um, just dropped out there, but I think the question was what's the difference between a companion dog and an assistance dog? Yeah. yeah. So very. This is. I guess there's actually no um, kind of uh, regulated definition. Okay. Um, however, there are um, dogs that uh, are trained to certain standards, and it's not an area that I'm fully up with on the regulations of. But okay. with dogs that are trained to certain standards, oftentimes there is set training. Yeah. Um, and there are groups that will train dogs that are suitable yeah. for various roles. So yeah. some dogs yeah. are trained as assistance dogs, for instance, just to to work constantly with people. Yeah. You know, they might accompany a person. Um, we know this with uh, certain disabilities, with epilepsy, yeah. with autism. Yeah. A lot of dogs can be trained up to be assistance yeah. dogs for those scenarios. So obviously that's fairly specialised. Yeah. Um, and can take quite a while, like years, years. I'm currently under the um, um, psychiatric mind dog program. Great. And I've just been talking to a guy in the shopping centre. He said, oh, my dog's a companion dog. I said, oh, can he go everywhere? And he said, yeah. And I'm just thinking I might be going to too much trouble. Well, I guess that's a that's a really good question in that it, it yeah. kind of says, what is the purpose of this training? What are we trying to get out of it? And I think, um, you know, co- collaborating and talking, having conversations with the, uh, the group who are providing the training program and so on yeah. is going to really help to get some clarity around what, what is the outcome here we're seeking. 
In my mind, I think, and just purely from a common sense approach would be, is that an assistance dog is trained to perform certain actions that are specifically related to whatever the condition uh, that we're alerting them to, whereas a companion dog um, functions probably at a lower level. Uh, but I think really just having a conversation about the purpose and the clarity of the training, what's the outcome going to look like, doesn't mean you're going to too much trouble. I think you're actually going to be getting a good outcome. 49216216. When we come back, a question from Sharon about a wild magpie. You never know what you're going to get next. Mm. Hello, it's Pet Chat. Let's go to Sharon now in Glendale. You've got a question about a magpie. Yes, I do. <laughs> never never okay. a stupid question. It's, a, it's only a stupid answer, so the pressure's on me. Right. Fire away. Cleft lip, like a child has. A cleft lip? Speak, yeah, it speak goes over. Oh, so is it, you mean split down the middle or is it longer no, on no, one no. end? Longer on the top, and it goes over. Yep. Some of that's normal. They do... So is it like a, a hook on the end, is it? Yeah. And yeah. I was seen trying to get a worm out one day, yeah. the other day, and he had trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes they, um, they're like us, you know, like if you damage your fingernail and the base of the fingernail, you can get... As it grows out, you'll get altered growth. Um, and so they have these germinal cells at the base, almost like just under their nose, their nostrils, which is where the, the beak grows out. Now, it's pretty slow growing, so it can take a while for that to happen. Um, he's getting picked on. Sorry, he's getting picked on? Yep. Oh. Is he is he able to eat? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, neighbor, he's wild. My neighbour feeds some mints and... And I try to feed them cat biscuits. Okay, let's stop the mint. All the other magpies. Yeah, we need to stop the mints. Uh, need to stop the mints um, because uh, mints is low in calcium, high in phosphorus, and that will cause bone deformities and maybe contributing to this. Uh, so a lot of people do that, and obviously magpies will take free food, um, but it's not not healthy for them. Um, there are there are actually meals uh, substitute foods for magpies that you can get. But should we be feeding them? Or not really, not really. Okay. This one might be a little bit different because it's got some okay. deformity. But in that case, it should be you know rescued and yeah. My advice though, Sharon, would be to speak to the Native Animal Trust Fund, which is the wildlife rescue in this area, and they should be able to advise you know either a feeding strategy that's going to suit or whether this bird needs to be um, captured and examined. Okay. Because obviously if it's continuing and it's unable to survive on its own, then um, we're not setting up a good circumstance. But certainly see if you can talk to your neighbour about don't feed mints. Yeah. It's, n right. it's not, not healthy. That's a very good idea. Yeah. All right, uh, David, now you, you've come in and you've told me that you've got a story to tell us. Oh, yes. <laughs> so... So with uh, working from home, right, a lot of people over the last year, luckily now we're, we're getting more back into it, but with working from home, it does have these differences with our pets. Mm. And uh, I was reading a story, a vet told me her husband, who normally works in the city and so on, they've got chickens and um, 
whenever they want to feed the chicken, they actually go through this back door that is where their home office is. So normally it doesn't get used that often. Okay. Only, yeah. only to feed the chicken. Right. Right. But Hubby's home and he's working in the office all day. So he's there all the time. You know? So the chook is on the door. <laughs> feed me. Because he's in there. and the, He's, he's and trained the, for the, that. Yeah. yeah, and the chicken can hear that he's there. So clearly you must be getting food ready for me. <laughs> to the point where he actually had to move the office because when he was on the phone, the clients he was talking to couldn't hear him over the office oh clucking and goodness. banging and hopping up and tapping at the window. So we know who rules the roost in that family. Oh, well done. <laughs> well done. Just shows how in tune our animals can be, though. Yeah, absolutely. They really do reflect and mirror and respond to our patterns of behaviour. And when we changed our patterns of behaviour, they responded to that. So you were talking before uh, over Christmas, a lot of people coming in with new pets. What's mm. the most exotic pet that you saw over the holidays? Well, I know, I know someone who got two rats. Ah. Ah. Yes, well, that would be me. Right. Yes, we've got Lightning and Lulu. They're two new additions to the family. Lovely. Yeah, we're the rat family. I didn't realise rats were so incredibly affectionate. Oh, yes, definitely. They're lovely. Very social, you know. They do, yeah. If you're warm, even yeah. better. Skin temperature? Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh. they cuddle up on you. We put them in our pockets and things like that. They do. I, I remember when I went through university and... Um, Probably at any one point in time, 10% of our uni class had pet rats. Really? Mm. Is that because it was just easy to have an animal I that size? I think easy to carry around. Yeah. 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 We were, you know, poor students. and All you could afford was rats out the back trying to catch them. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> we weren't out the back trying to catch them. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I think most, most people have actually gone for fairly conventional pets. Interesting thing about COVID was the challenged a lot of people, be worth speaking to Cheryl about this as well, is how do you run puppy preschool when you know you're supposed to be remote. Socially distanced. So yeah. we actually had virtual online puppy preschools running. Wow, that would be Yeah, hard. well it helps a little bit because you can train them, but one of the principles of puppy preschool is to socialise. That's right, yep. So you know, we could let the pets socialise, but the owners have to stay away from each other well there's a there's a term for it now there's like covid babies and that's babies that you know oh. are just so scared of everyone because they went through covid and i'm sure there's covid puppies too that you know didn't socialize well that's true that's when, you, when you said covid babies i was thinking oh well there's, i'm sure there's that too and they'll, they'll nine, be nine, about month, now. nine months later <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, exactly well yeah, but with puppies, I think we do. This is really interesting because if they haven't had that socialisation exposure in the critical period, which we, we know is probably from about 10 weeks to 16, 18 weeks, if we don't get that socialisation, then it's going to create behaviour problems later on. Yeah. So I would encourage people, and I've seen a lot of people at the beach, at the park yep. with their pets, um, just be aware that they haven't had the same experience that older dogs would have had with their socialisation. Now, last question. I mentioned earlier our promotions manager, Kim, she's off on what we're calling maternity leave because she's got a, a puppy. Yes. Uh, Patterson, who's gorgeous. So she's at home for three weeks to get puppy used to the house. But 
I wanted to ask you, Dave, because she's got, she's spending every waking minute with him. What are some things she needs to do to avoid exactly what you spoke about early on, where you, they get used to you being there all the mm, time and they mm. get used to this routine and then all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. You've got to go. So, yeah, the, the, clear, the easiest thing is baby steps is let's just leave the house for five minutes. Let's walk to the front door and back. Uh, sorry, to the front gate and back. And so leave, leave dog inside. Leave dog. Yep. You know, we talked about this before, is have the Kong that's got, you know, the, the dry dog food um, soaked and maybe some peanut butter wrapped up, put it in the freezer overnight, get it out, give it to your dog, leave the house. Okay. Come back. Don't make a huge fuss when you come back because you don't want to kind of make the reward of returning sure. the really the you, big you thing. You come in and almost ignore them for, for a few things, minutes. If they're carrying, like excited that's and jumping. Right. Okay. That's right. And, and then just gradually extend the time that you're away. So the first step might be just going to the front gate, then it's like going around the block, then it's maybe I'll go to the shops. And what you're doing is you're just extending that length of time step by step. And if you're able to do that, I think that dogs do get to a point where they're like, is it 10 minutes or is it, you know, two hours? They sort of lose track of time. Lose track of time. But you do, as I said before, you do have to keep them mentally stimulated. So the exercise, getting out for a walk in the morning, that's fantastic. But something else to keep them occupied during the day. All right, that's good advice because we can't even get her to come to lunch at the moment. She won't leave him. So, um, you know... Right. Well, the prescription is she has to start building in these gaps. Really good advice. Well, thank you for your calls today. Uh, That's about it. We've run out of time. So good to speak to you again. Yeah, great to be back. Yeah. Oh, we've missed you. 49216216, that's a number for Pet Chat. Keep it for next week or alternatively, you can always send us an email. Uh, I know a lot of you can't do it when you're at work, but we will uh, get those emails and answer your question regardless. Mm. And you can do that at 2 com. Just